Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. Welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And today I've got a great guest with me. I've been trying to get her on for months. It's probably fair to say. Um, and at probably the third or fourth attempt, I've finally got her to get into the office and uh, and record a hubcast with me. So I have Carolyn Woolway, who is, let me just get this job title right now, the head of HR for the UK. And Ireland for Siemens Gamesa. And Ireland for Siemens Gamesa. Uh, Siemens Gamesa has sort of come together over the last few years. It used to be Siemens from the from a wind farm perspective wind power perspective, uh, merged with G- Gamesa, Gamesa, is that right? Or acquired Gamesa, yeah. or was it merged? It, it was uh, It was a merger. So um, Siemens were really strong on offshore wind. Gamesa were very strong on onshore wind. And the two together um, are um, obviously formed a merger, which is great. So it sort of sits separate outside of the Siemens um, group, really. It and does. Siemens the G- Gamesa is its own brand now, isn't it, it? It's its own legal entity. We're still obviously part of the family, mm. but yeah. Yes, it's her own legal entity. Awesome. Is... So I've I've known Carolyn for a couple of years now. Yeah. A couple of years. We we met um, a couple of years back. We did a bit of work together. I, I had the pleasure of coming in and working with some of your leaders within Siemens in the early days of the operation being set up. Um, and we've done various events together and stayed in touch since. And one of the things that I was always impressed with was Carolyn's views as a head of HR around the cultural piece in organizations. I think from the start, I observed you felt really passionately about creating the right environment and culture within the organization. I mean, by the sheer nature of what you do, it's operationally focused. It's about execution. It's about manufacturing blades. It's about quality. It's about safety and all of the great things that you usually get within a manufacturing organization, but an engineering organization. But you still felt passionately about the people and the cultural element which really struck a chord with me so I wanted to get Carolyn on today just to loosely discuss a few of those areas and get some of your thoughts and I'm sure the managers and the and the and the leaders listening to this on on the hub will will find it of interest so shall we um should we just see where we go with it yeah of course absolutely so first question then uh Carolyn I talked about culture then how important is the right culture in an organization for you why is it why did you feel quite strongly from the start that it's all well and good being specialists and experts in what we do and mm. being well known for Siemens world class processes and manufacturing, uh, you know, um, safety and all the great stuff that you do? But why did you want to set your style out on culture from the start? Um, for me, it was massively important because at the time we were setting up a brand new site, so it was a clean slate. It was a blank canvas, which is a massively, um, I think, probably once in a career lifetime opportunity mm. to get the culture right. And um, for me, you know, if you if you can set the tone, if you can really create a sense of purpose and a vision mm. and articulate that well and, and, and hire the right people that embody that and role model it for me you know that's you you're on you're on the right foot from the very get-go and then you know since then on our journey we've had a merger so we've had two very very different companies coming together with pockets of different cultures so again we've had to really work on on that um and and you know and that's been really challenging because you, you know you've got two established businesses 
And then, you know, you're trying to move them away from their current culture into something that's brand new. And again, it's incredibly important that, that that's rolled out in each of the countries. Yeah. Um, and, and that that's consistent. And again, there's that clear vision, mission and, and kind of sense of purpose, which for a renewables company, it's a, it's a dream because you've got that. You've got, you know, you, it's a green company. You, you're kind of saving the world mm. type message. So, that, And do you think you had an advantage with this because... In what you do, i.e. wind power and the blade process, the manufacturing Mm -hmm. of the blade process, because it is quite niche and unique that you weren't bringing in people to the organization from the start who had the skills already. You were sort of bringing in the right people and you were skilling them. Is that fair to say? That's right. I, I was very, very keen to make sure that we weren't recruiting people with just the technical skills to do the job Mm. that actually what was more important was that having people with the right value set the right um mentality to to come in and you know really really drive the business and um be ambassadors for the brand and work with us in a way that you know you you can train technical skills Mm. you can't always train the you, you know that that x factor we kept yeah. calling it the x factor yeah and the character and that, the traits and the exactly. natural yeah the natural attitudes of the people yeah. you want in the so and that's the, the, where the type of person who walks down the car park and picks up the piece of litter and puts it in the bin yeah yeah just that yeah that's you, you can't want. describe it really but just that and you know what that comes with other challenges because when you get all the right people or when you try to get all the right people because it's never sort of totally no. foolproof you've no, got you know you some, some people fall by the wayside or slip through the net but when you when you when you take that, you sort of cater for the cultural piece, but then you've got a huge upskilling period. So you was almost willing to say from the start, if we get the right people, we're still going to have a really six to twelve month journey on breaking a few eggs from a capability perspective because we've got to skill these people in what we do as well. Yeah. Most organizations I work with fall down on culture because they hire skills and experience from other industries or from the same industry or but they don't really do the character piece. So actually, they've got the capability, but it becomes a very negative, toxic environment very quickly because they've, they've got the wrong people. You had the opposite. Yours was we've got good people, but we've got to we've got to do the job as well. We you did, know? and you know what was really interesting to me was you got people from environments where there was no trust in mm. in, the, in the businesses that they'd come from. That they were used to a blame culture. They were used to people pointing fingers. So there was a real fear of coming up with new ideas or taking accountability for things because in in their past in their histories they'd worked with leaders who had pointed fingers and you know really created an environment where they were just there to put widgets mm. in boxes um and you know trying to instill that sense of trust and loyalty and actually just take a risk just do it you know just if you need something go and buy it you know yeah. that type of just do it um originally when we first set up that was probably one of the most challenging things and if you remember that's why we um we ran the leadership program was to get that accountability and that trust and that kind of you know yeah. teamwork going and to help our managers understand that actually they needed to um create that sense of trust in, in the business well let's come on to that come on to my next point then so leadership you mentioned mm-hmm. um it was all right setting up an environment and 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 visualizing the environment you wanted to foster. It's then another thing putting a load of what we what we think is good people into that environment. But very quickly it can be undone, as we've just said. So you have to have 
a very, very capable leadership team in, but a very humanistic leadership team in who are willing to to win the hearts and minds of those people in the early days. Now, the one thing that I've observed in Siemens is like any project and like any large environment where you drop a, you know, close to a thousand people in one environment at any one time, you get some churn from a staff level. But the one thing you seem to have had is some you've had a bit of a spine and some and a backbone to gen, the, the senior leadership team and the sort of, you know, the group leads and, and the team leads. And that's not changed very much. And that creates stability. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's been a few that's uh-huh. changed on the leadership team. But in general, you could probably talk, you could look at the, you know, the, the mainstays and say, we have had some consistency with certain people, which has allowed us to keep that messaging going. And that's really important. So how much, what, I guess my question is, is, how important is the leadership element in that cultural piece? Is it the most important thing? I think so. But mm. then I'm biased because I'm, yeah. I'm a human resources professional. But for, for me, you know, if if you have a good leadership team that people want to follow for the right reasons, you know, not, not because of fear and intimidation, but because you know that those people have got um the the best intentions for you 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 know that they're they're not out to promote themselves they're there to help they're there to develop others um you know that they're humble the types of people i see being successful in our leadership team now are the ones that actually will put their hands up and admit they don't know everything about everything humility humility they're they're willing to completely open their minds constantly to further develop themselves and, and constantly learn they don't get to a point where they're think I know everything about everything and I'm you know wonderful I don't need to develop anymore and um I, th- I think those 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 two together along with the being able to tell the story and win the hearts and minds and you, you, you know that for me that's a really that's what I see in the successful people yeah yeah because you can be very good at your job and very credible and knowledgeable in your sphere of expertise but if you then live in that black and white world completely where you crack the whip, you drive by outputs and you have no human connection with people or no humility, as credible as you are and as good as you are, you're still, you're going to, you're going to encounter some problems very quickly yeah. if you take that line. Yeah. Um, certainly in an environment where traditionally your operatives and your staff have come from working class industries where they've been beaten with sticks for a while. Exactly. Does that make sense? So yeah. building that trust is key is what you're saying. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, <clears throat> Who, who would you want to follow? Someone who's going to throw you under a bus or someone who's going to be there and has got your back? Um, you know, and I think that's what we've really tried to create uh, our leaders who care about their people and, yeah. you know, really um, deliver. The, the, you know, the, the delivery is incredibly important as well, obviously. Of course it they is, need yeah. to deliver and not everyone survived that journey. Yeah. But... And you make a good point there for anybody listening to this who's in a, an environment where you are under pressure to deliver on what you do and you're on your area. You know, you, you're ultimately employed by the organisation to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're ultimately, when all said and done, employed to deliver the outputs and the outcomes that you need to deliver in the job role. So we're not saying that that's secondary. What we're saying is that that's always going to be the, the the key performance indicator, but. If you want to deliver that and deliver it consistently, having the human cultural element side of your leadership capability is going to, is what's going to be the vehicle to allow you to do that consistently. Long term. Long term. Because we always say you can hit with the big stick, you can, you can, you can deliver a, um, a directive, uh, aggressive message, and you will drive an outcome in the moment, but at what cost? Mm. Whereas... The art of leadership is to say, how can I create an environment and a team where that can 
almost just be self-perpetuating through their their commitment and their engagement to the cause rather than me having to hit them with that stick. Yeah, completely. And I think that's what you're trying to create yeah. at Siemens, isn't it? And, and to be fair, there's there's no room for big egos. You know, may, may, maybe 10, 20 years ago there was, but now, you know, the successful leaders in our business, they're, they're not out for themselves. They're, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're not out to for the self-promotion and they you, you, yeah, that obviously goes on um but the, but the ones who are really successful are the ones that you know are, are the ones that are pushing others and and recognizing and rewarding mm. and looking for um opportunities for people to you know move around the organization and better themselves um, and it's not just all about them yeah it's, it reminds me of the window mirror analogy you know the, the, the old adage of you know, poor leaders look in the mirror when something goes right and look through the window at others when things go wrong. Whereas great leaders look through the window when something goes right and they look in the mirror when something goes wrong. And if we can start thinking about that, um, for anybody listening, if you can start fostering that type of approach, you will, you will, you know, receive so much buy-in and respect from your people and that's enough for them to be mobilized and motivated and go again right and that's what we want to try and achieve so just to summarize then so already on the first two points you 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 are a culture vulture like me mm-hmm. you believe in cultures are what's going to allow us to sustain performance in organizations for a period of time uh, and attract talent and retain talent and all the other things that that we uh, we talk about with culture Leadership is the number one contributing factor to that. If you have a strong leadership team who are aligned and who are showing the right behaviors and leading in the right way, then your culture can be maintained, I think is what, what you're saying. Um, so last question then, and we can uh, we, uh, we sort of debate this for a few minutes. What do you want? So in your environment, you have many teams. In fact, you have many shifts. You have many segments, yep. right? It's a very, not complex, but it is in a way, you know, you've got many teams within the team. Um so you've probably got a lot of subcultures, which means that certain certain segments and certain teams operate in a certain way, and others maybe not so. And 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 and, and you know what? You can try to drive consistency, but sometimes it's driven by the leader in that area, right? Exactly. So you'll have high performing teams and areas that you can spring to mind straight away. You'll have others that just do okay, and you'll have others that are a concern. I wanted to ask you about high performing teams. What? is it that you observe in the teams that perform well in the organization it could be still leadership it could be outside of that but what what drives a high performing team in your opinion um i think it's a few things i think it's having a united sense of purpose so they're all aligned in terms of what they're trying to achieve um and hopefully that's aligned with the what the company's sense of purpose is um you would hope yeah so they they clearly understand why they are there, yeah. what needs to be achieved at a, a macro level, but at a micro level, what their piece of the pie exactly, is. Exactly, how yeah. they fit in. So yeah. if, you know, it's like, it's like the old orchestra, you know, you're playing a flute, but it, you're an important part of that music. Um, and, and then the other thing is, I think, is trust, you know, is, is trusting in each other. And um, one one of the successes that we've had is where, as um, as an organisation, there's been quite a lot of initiatives outside of just the day job and making money, outside of delivering, which mm. is, uh, you know, are fantastic things that people really are passionate about. So I'll give you one example, our Pathways programme, where we give young people with, with um, learning disabilities um, a, 
the opportunity to be able to come in and get some work experience and work as interns with us. So it gives our people the opportunity to um, mentor them, develop them, work with them. Um, and, you know, it's been so successful. Mm. We There's only about a 7% chance of someone with a learning difficulty getting a paid employment at any point yeah. in their lifetime versus you and I or anyone without a, a difficulty is about 75%. And already we've got four of them paid employment. Really? So, I mean, just that, just that, things like that, that people really buy into, um, you know, they're, they're, they're proud to work for a company that's, that does all of these types of, of things. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit unusual as well. You know, there's, there's some things that raise a few eyebrows at times. But I think just that that sense of working in a community of people that actually care about things is again it creates a team bond and it, and it tries and it just create a wider culture mm. um you see people changing their behaviors so if these young people are in the canteen the swearing stops yeah you know people yeah care. yeah um the the there's more disability awareness because you know obviously the the, mm. the working with these individuals and the the the, the charity that we're working with also delivers some training for us as well around that so Things like that, things that are just bigger than the day job yeah. that people can buy into, get involved with, creates a bit of a wider culture of actually, you know what, I know we're here to, this is a renewable company and the big picture is yeah. that actually we're doing what's right for our environment and our planet and our future communities, but also internally as well, we're doing things for yeah. local communities that make Absolutely. a difference. Yeah, and I get that, and I get that then at a humanistic level, to come back to your point, if you're working within a team or department at a humanistic level, it allows you to connect with that purpose on a much personal, more personal level than, um, now I'm not saying anybody in who works for Siemens, wind power is not here to save the planet, right? No, but let's face it, not. they're not all directly connected to that, no. right? But what they can connect to is when they see that individual who the organization is given an opportunity to and connect with it. Yeah. And it, the purpose becomes much more personal and bigger than, because I always say to companies, right, your purpose, every single one of your employees is not going to directly connect to your purpose. Of course not. They're not. They're just not. It, might, it might be. This is we have to produce this many blades a week. Yeah. Something as simple as that. And they'll do it, but they're not exactly overly passionate and emotional about it no. right they'll do it because it pays the bills yeah. and they're there to do a job but where you can spark some connection like the program you've just said yeah i i'm part of something bigger here than 10 blades a week that goes that that for me would come under employee engagement and culture it's about how, how we're doing we feel different yeah there's more to us than 10 blades a week right um so yeah i love that yeah i love that so you're to, 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 to your first point you're saying one of the things you're observing high performing teams is that when they feel like they are connected to the company's purpose but at an individual level they have purpose as well within and and they're connected and respect the ethics and um that the activities that go on within the business you know yeah. it's, it's not just about it's not all about making money you know, people come to work. Yes, they've got mortgages to pay. But, you know, maybe what the difference between putting in 100% and putting in 110% is about how you feel about your company and your manager on that day. And I, I think that's the other thing as well is having managers um, and teams who behave consistently every day. 
Yeah. You know that well, we've talked about this before, but to, to my mind, if if a if a manager is not mentally stable and can't control their own emotions and can't control themselves, yeah. and can't manage themselves and lead themselves, how are they ever going to be able to manage a team? I nicked one of your lines. We we spoke at a conference together, didn't we? And you spoke before me. Was that right? Yeah. And you said if why did we invest in a leadership program well if people can't lead themselves if leaders can't lead themselves then they can't lead others exactly and i thought oh i bloody love that yeah and i nicked it thank you so i've been using it since <laughs> so yeah absolutely right absolutely and that's why coming back to the start of this hubcast you started with culture is important but the number one thing you got to get right is leadership and then everything trickles down because yeah. they cast the cultural shadow they exactly. do they exactly. absolutely do yeah so that's any other any other observations on high performing teams. Obviously, the purpose bit and the feeling connected and the feeling the leadership obviously is the other one. If you've got a great leader within the team, you've obviously got to have the right talent within the team as well. Exactly the trust between the team members. You know, um, the the it, there's there's nothing if you haven't got the trust there, um, and obviously the ability to do the job as well. You know, yeah, you, you've you need got to you have need the that. skills. You you've got to have the skills. Of course, of course you, you do. do. That's that's yeah. the easy bit. Yeah, and that's what, to our point, that's what can be trained. Good leaders and yeah. great organisations can skill people. Yeah. Uh, what we can't do is give them personality transplants, right? Yeah. So we've got to, you know. And, and as well, you know, if people within that team can see a clear, clear line of their own progression and, and they've got the, you know, clarity of how they're going to get there and clarity that the business are going to help them and, and what that all looks like. I think that, again, it helps people to feel their place in an organization and feel where their future might be in an orga mm. organization so you know you get less churn um you know you get established teams and the, the, if the longer you can get a good team working together the, it just gets stronger over time yeah love um, it love it right i'm gonna ask you one last question yeah. because we have a lot of hr execs who are on the hub and who will be listening to to this type of content and one of the frustrations of hr leaders are not frustrations but one of the challenges that HR leaders face in organisations is uh, dealing with performance or supporting managers who deal who are trying to deal with, let's say, underperformance. Mm -hmm. You know, the performance management zone that many call it. I call it the straight back zone, don't I? But do you know, sometimes we can be caring as an organisation. We can develop our people. We can have great leadership. We can do all we can to accommodate the success of an employee. And even at the end of the day, sometimes we either have the wrong people in the wrong roles. Yeah. Or we just have somebody who's got themselves in such a fixed or negative mindset behaviorally that they're just not right for the business and something's got to give. What I observe is there's a bit of a Mexican standoff going off and on in organizations. Managers believe it's HR's responsibility to lead on that. So they sort of chuck it over to HR. That's a HR thing now. HR leaders and partners are going, no, 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 managers. It's your responsibility. We will support and advise you through the process. And... You know, it, it tends to not get dealt with. And a couple of things happen. We either don't deal with it quick enough and it becomes toxic in our teams and environments, or we move the problem. So we say, let's try this person in so-and-so's team, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then it happens again. Where do you stand on HR leaders and departments being strong in the performance management process and still reserving the right as a business to either improve people or exit them and and, and move them on? Do you always believe it's our duty to try and accommodate and improve first and foremost? Or do should we be strong in helping managers and supporting managers deal with performance in, in the moment? And who sh where's the accountability? 
Is it dual? Is it in HR or is it with the manager? Go for it. Oh, gosh. This is, this is and we've dramatic. only got six minutes left, oh, so you're yeah. going to have to get straight to the point. Right. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think what, what makes a good leader is someone who can engage with people when they start to see a bit of a wobble and really tease out the underlying issues and understand what the underlying issues are. And if they genuinely, genuinely believe that this person is 100% wrong for this job, then nip it in the bud quickly. Yeah. Don't prolong the agony. Mm. You know, do something about it. It, it, it. You know, I believe very firmly that the responsibility for managing the capability of team members sits with a manager. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think HR are there to advise and guide and provide support. But at the end of the day, that the decision of what happens with that individual is down to that manager and the, the accountability of, of what happens is down to that manager. And HR's role, therefore, is to ensure from an employment law perspective that that manager is conducting themselves in the right manner, they're following the right processes. So should we make a decision, we have, we have shown a duty of care and we've gone through the right process. Partly, yeah. I think also HR's role is to be a moral compass yeah. because it's really important that we treat our people in the right way. Um, you, you know, if we if we start to treat people in a in a way that's disrespectful and a way that you know is is unethical, again, you know, you cause it. You, you might be compliant with the law, but at the end of the day, you have to go to bed at night as a manager and feel happy with what you've done. And if you if you're not, then you know some something's gone wrong somewhere. So I think I think it's about always trying to find a win win, mm. not about moving the problem, but essentially trying to find out what the underlying issues are. Find out what the issues are early. Don't don't mm. wait until you know you've had someone six months or a year or however long, um, and you, you know and really search for for that for that win win. And sometimes that is that they're a round peg in a square hole. Yeah. And sometimes it is that you have to let them go. Yeah. Um, and they're tough decisions, but they're the ones that we have to make for the for the good and the protection of course, the business, yeah, right? Absolutely. Or the organisation. And I love that term moral compass because HR should be sat independently as a moral compass because managers. As, as as impartial as they'd like to think they are, emotions take over. Um, if so many things happen, they start, their, their impartiality becomes skewed by their feeling or emotion towards that person. And sometimes we're not being fair and, you know, yeah. And and that's what HR's role is, just yeah. to make sure that, you know, we're not jumping to a conclusion, we're not getting caught up in cognitive dissonance no. or unconscious bias or whatever it might be. And, and, we, and yeah. supporting that manager with, you know, we've talked about consistency, being consistent, not having favourites, yeah. making sure that you're treating everyone equally, not not looking at someone with, you know, the halo yeah. or the horns yeah. type. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that comes down to one of the final things that I always advise Managers do because I agree with you. The ownership and accountability is on the on the manage, mm. on the manager. HR are there as a moral compass, but they're also there from a from a, a support and guidance perspective to make sure yeah. we are following the right procedures. And, and sometimes that's even helping that manager with uh, the conversation, even being a role, you, you know, even role playing it. A soundboard before yeah. you go off and have the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Pretend I'm that person and then talk, talk to me. Yeah. Just simple things like that. And I always advise them. It's got to be based on two things and not just one. It's got to be my observational and behavioral feedback, but I've got to have some KPIs and measurements, if I can, to support the poor performance. So if I steam into a conversation and I say, I don't think you're doing a good job, and you go, well, I think I am. Right, where do we go from there then? My, yeah. my, whereas I mean, if you oh, go in and say, my observations are this, 
but look, look at the metrics yeah. or look at the outputs. And ultimately, you know. you know, performance management is all about getting someone's performance up to where you need it to be and yeah. understanding how you can support them. And that should that should be the root of it. That's the you know, primary you, you driver. You don't go into it to try and manage someone out, which yeah. is the big biggest mistake that managers do. I've had enough. I've dealt with it this long. And then nothing's going to change their minds. Not, yeah, yeah, they're absolutely stuck in the minds now and all they want to do is go through a process to manage them out. It's And then it, it, you lose, you, you've lost it then. Of course you are. You, you know, you need to go out in an early stage where you're trying to get the performance up. And that final point is a really important one. Performance management is not to manage people out. There's a misconception. Yeah. It's always with the primary aim of improving individuals and finding a win. However, the byproduct of that is if we followed the right path yeah. and we've done the right things, there will come a time where we've got to say we've done all we can, yeah. right? Cool. Right, listen, we've got to wrap it up before we run out of time. Thanks, but time. I could talk to you all day. It was fascinating, <laughs> Carolyn. Thank you so much. Just for me in summary, in a minute summary, Culture is so important in organizations um, just in terms of if you focus too transactionally on operations and outputs and, and delivery, you will drive outcomes, but at what cost? If you start to form habitual and long-lasting patterns of behavior, belief, and mindset in, in your workforce, your culture will then manifest and that performance has far more chance of being sustainable and have longevity. Leadership is the number one contributing factor to culture. It all falls in if we're not displaying the right behaviors and, and the right approaches from a leadership level. Leaders do carry the greatest influence and we cast the cultural shadow down. High performing teams, you talked about when members of teams feel like they understand the overall purpose and it connects with their sense of purpose, then we that's where the magic happens. And finally for HR, uh, all managers, HR people, all managers out there, let's not be afraid to deal with performance, but let's do it right. Let's have that moral compass. The ownership should be on the manager to deal with that, supported by HR. And the, the sole aim has to be to improve performance. And if not, then let's be firm and let's be strong and we, and we move on. With 40 seconds left, Carolyn Woolworth, thank you very much. Thanks, Martin. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. And we will be back uh, shortly with another T2 Hubcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.